Welcome to The Bomar Show. We are your hosts, Josh and Sarah Bomar. We hope this podcast will motivate, educate, and entertain you. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to The Bomar Show. We are on episode 20, and today's topic is part two of Behind the Scenes of Bomar Nutrition, and the entire episode is going to be all user-submitted questions about things that you guys just wanted to know more of about the behind the scenes of Bomar Nutrition. So we are going to get started. I have all the questions on my phone, so I'll just read the question and then Josh and I will go back and forth. So the first one, and this was a really popular one, was how we get our flavor inspiration because we have a lot of unique and interesting flavors that I have never seen been done before. Yeah, this is actually a fun a fun one, you know, because honestly, Sarah and I, we our business doesn't turn off. It's not like, oh, we work a nine to five and then at 5 p.m. we turn off our company and in our heads. You know, Sarah and I are nonstop, 24-7, constantly thinking about our companies, yep. especially Bomar Nutrition. So when we're at restaurants or anything, we always look at the drink menu, even though we don't really drink. And, and uh, it's kind of funny because we'll find some odd combination that some, uh, would it be a Drink mixologist or Mixologist, yeah, yeah, something like that. We find they decided to put two of these crazy flavors together, and heck, it might taste pretty good. So then we will whip up samples and, and try it, and most of the time it doesn't work, but sometimes we find some hidden gems. Yeah, and we travel a lot, and we're very blessed to travel a lot, so we do find inspiration in a lot of the places that we travel as well. You know, things that necessarily aren't popular here, like our dolce de leche protein, but the way we describe it and the way that it tastes, it actually is one of our, you know, more popular flavors. And it's a very unique flavor. But Josh and I are fat kids at heart. And so that is true (laughs) for us is true. We, you know, when we're working on a protein flavor, we'll sit down and say, okay, what kind of dessert could we make taste great? Or as far as, you know, essentials go, like what do people drink in the morning? Or what drink or what liquid calorie is actually preventing people from hitting their goals and sticking to their diet because there's so many calories in liquids. Well, not to mention, you know, and a lot of people bake and cook with our product too. So we always are thinking about the the person that's dieting. Like how do we make dieting easier? How do we make dieting dieting easier for ourselves? I think that's huge because like you guys, a lot of people already know and you listening know dieting is not easy. Nope. I don't care how much discipline you have. We all want to eat the things we're not supposed to eat. I don't know why we're wired that way. It's just the way that it is. Yep. You know, so if we can make something healthy that tastes amazing. Sometimes even better. And better, correct. Or something that normally is unhealthy like cheesecake, and we can make it in a protein form that tastes just as good as cheesecake, except it only has two carbs. That's a win. Yes. So it's super, it's it's a very fun process for us. And, you know, I find a lot of inspiration on Pinterest. And if any of our competitors are listening, this is not, you know, <laughs> proprietary information or anything. It's just what we like to do. And we also hear you guys as well. So, you know, if we see some common question or common, you know, flavor recommendation on Instagram, we might take that to our flavor house or our flavor chemist and say, let's do this, put a little spin on it, a little twist and 
yeah, the flavor inspiration really comes from all over, which is really fun. It is yeah. fun. And we have some new stuff that's pretty exotic coming down yes. the pipeline that Very I won't fun. mention, but it's going to be exciting. I'm excited you're to not share with you guys. Blurp out a flavor. Yeah, not again. I already got, I'm still <laughs> in the doghouse for that one. So that's kind of our flavor inspiration. Um, <laughs> the next question is it's more of a general marketing and sales question i think but the question was is it a good idea to run sales why or why not that's that's actually a great question <laughs> you know question. and it's like okay because if we run a sale then you guys are more incentive incentive to buy yeah because it's discounted and sarah and i we ha we went back and forth on this a lot actually and so the problem is, is when you run sales, that oh, when you run sales often, right? I mean, yeah. typically that means your products are overpriced yes. to begin with. And if you so have the ability to run that many sales, 40% off, 50% off. And it's buy like, buy one, get one. And, and how are like, you, how are you affording to do that on, you know, a regular basis? Right. And so what happens is people stop buying on a regular basis and they yeah. wait for the sales. Yeah. You're training a stray cat on when it needs to be fed. Okay. Our listeners are not not straight cats. <laughs> let's, let's not say that. Um, but no, so that's, that's it. You're like, well, I'll just wait for a sale. And yeah. so what Sarah and I decided a long time ago, right before we started our company, I said, let's just discount this from the very beginning and make yes. it affordable for everybody yep. and have a sale 24 seven, but that's our normal price, which can get us in trouble, you know, yep. honestly, because then all the all people want discounts and I'm like, our products are already discounted, you know, and we, we lose our, our money on discounts for military and mm -hmm. teachers and first responders. And yep. we do all of that and we're okay with losing money on that. But a lot of companies have enough worked in to where they could have better you know, sales and discounts and all that stuff for those kind of things. And maybe that's a mistake. I don't know. Maybe it's not. I think, I think a lot of you guys out there that buy from us and buy, um, our products are appreciative of the low prices, yeah. you know, because if you were to look at our labels, especially on our high end stuff, like our high end ingredient products, like pre-workouts and, and uh, joint health, and you look at the price tag on there, it's like our joint stuff, for example, is like, I think 40 bucks. Well, I went to, I think it was vitamin shop the other day and I just wanted to see what was competition out there. And I found a product that still didn't have as much support for the joints as ours, but it was pretty comparable. And it was like $89. Right. And so I'm like, gee, many Christmas, you guys, I, I just, I love having products affordable for people. Cause at the end of the day, Sarah and I never started Bomer Nutrition to become ultra wealthy. That was never our goal. Our goal was always to help people. And, you know, and because we did a great job at that, you know, we've been financially blessed, which is great. But the point is, that's not the point. The point is, is we never did that to begin with. Right. You know, or that was never our goal, I should say. And I think too many sales as well sort of devalue your product and devalue your company. Because like Josh mentioned, then every single customer is just going to wait for that next email, the sale that comes in the email or a text message sale. Um, so we run one very big sale a year. And that is, you know, Black Friday through Cyber Monday, we always do something different. And then sometimes we will offer discounts on products that we might be discontinuing. That way we can get, you know, get the product moving. And we're not spending a ton of money on inventory on items that we know we aren't going to produce in the future. And they're not bad 
items. They're or just if we ones. need more space in the yeah. warehouse for new products coming in and maybe a product didn't sell as well as we'd like yeah. based on us not promoting it properly. Usually, they're all great flavors. Yeah, It's never a flavor issue. It's just a, honestly, sometimes we launch too many things at once and one slips through the crack. And what ends up happening is we're paying storage fees for that every single month. So if a product's not moving, we got a new product coming in, we need we need the space. We'll run sales to get it out. But I could guarantee you we're not making money no. on that. So an example of that one would be our current slash old pre-workout formula. You know, we're getting, we're transitioning all of our pre-workouts into our new formula with Citropeak. And so in order to make room and promote that product properly, we want to move our old pre-workout out of there. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a great product. It's just we've found a way to make it even better. And what's nice about our stuff is because it moves so quickly, you guys will never have to worry about, oh, well, if it's going to expire before I can use it all. Unless it took you four years to use something, you won't have it sitting, you know, in your in your pantry. But well, that's what one thing nice about our business model, too, is the direct-to-consumer business model. You know, when we get it straight from our manufacturer right to you guys, there's not middlemen that where it sits on a shelf for a few years and then gets shipped back to the, the, the company because it didn't sell it, let's say, at GNC. And then you're getting these sales, which does happen, by yeah. the way. And so that's that's kind of an interesting perspective, too, is like if we do run a sale – and you guys take advantage of it, and it sits on the shelf for a year, it's going to be totally fine. Because yeah. our shelf life for most of our products is like three years. Right. So just, you know, note that. But we, we really don't run a ton of sales for that reason. We don't want to devalue our brand. We don't want to devalue our products. And we offer the best prices to you guys. 24-7-365. Awesome. I think cool. we nailed that. So kind of playing along with that question someone asked what percentage of sales come from your athletes and we had to look at this month by month it does vary but on average the percentage from our athletes is about 17 to 18 percent which I think is pretty good yeah for sure so it's you know it's super interesting obviously some athletes sell way more than others we do have some smaller affiliates but yeah 17 to 18 percent come from our athletes. And a side note on that, which I know this is a business conversation that we're having on this podcast, but one thing we also do is cookie all of our, our athletes customers, Yes, you know, so therefore every, even if they don't use our athletes link, um, every purchase that that customer per or makes on our website for the life of that customer, we still give our athletes credit for, which I think we're one of the only companies that do that. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of businesses, you know, they'll cookie you for 30 or 60 days and if you visit the website, then the athlete gets credit. But I've it's very rare that someone does that for, you know, the, for life, their athletes. the, the lifespan of a customer. Well, and because we know how hard it is to get a raving fan. I mean, it takes a lot of work for So if we have an athlete that has a raving fan that, that orders, you know, we want to honor that, that athlete and make sure that they get credit for that sale yeah. forever. And we pay them commission on that, which yeah. is pretty cool. Yep. I thought we'd add that in there. Makes us a little different than most. For sure. So someone, the next question, let's just see here. What is our criteria for a manufacturer? Oh, geez. That one's, <laughs> you know, we're, we're our own best customers. Yeah. So just like you guys, we want the best of the best of the best. So when it came to manufacturers, it was the same thing. You know, we want the best of the best of the best. Yep. And that's what we have. And it's what we've always had. So, yeah. it's so good. we look, you know, we look for accreditations and certifications. We have a multitude of manufacturers um, 
as far as someone who makes our butter, someone who makes our popcorn, someone who makes our powders, someone who makes our pills, someone who runs our samples, and someone who runs our bars. So what we truly believe in is actually visiting the manufacturer before we ever start working with someone. We can, you know, assess their manufacturing processes, how they're cleaning the stuff, how they're testing everything, um, their accreditations. For example, our powder manufacturer is GMP certified and FDA accredited, and they also don't allow any ingredients on the NSF band list to come in. We have been there while they're testing our products and we test in an ISO 17,025 facility, which means that there's only one error in every 17,025 tests ran, which is very impressive. It's one of the highest ISO accreditations that one could have. And it, it costs us more because it takes, you know, if the FDA comes into these facilities, they have to shut down for an entire week to go through all of their audits. So it does cost more for us to have the testing that we do and work with the manufacturers that we do. But like Josh mentioned, it is very important to us because we use everything that we personally produce. And so if, if and we we'll, we'll never, it, ever be in a situation where a competitor or something grabs our product off the shelf test it and it doesn't meet specs on the label because right. quite frankly i would say most and i'm going to be bold enough to say most of the stuff that you're picking up from gnc if tested would not be or accurate complete nutrition or vitamin or any shop. Of those, yeah any of those those stores i would almost bet our money on it that i would i would guess if i had to guess it would probably be at least 70% of the I was products. Say 80. Yeah. At least 70 to 80% of the products wouldn't meet the specifications that are actually on the label yeah. to the level that we do, obviously. Right. And maybe it may be even higher. Yeah. You know, because we've seen scary. a lot of these, these manufacturers that a lot of these companies use and their tolerances are not tight. Right. At all. Because why would they be? So the way this ties into another question that's further down the list is what kind of quality testing do we do? So that's what we look for with a manufacturer. We also obviously visit the manufacturer, but the testing is very, very, very important to us because there are people out there who earn their life's income on picking up products, testing them, and then suing the company when what actually comes out of the testing isn't actually what's on their label. Look at this. So many new business ideas for people. Out right. There. Just go ahead and do it. Um, but there are people that do it. And so we always wanted to ensure that that would never happen to us because it's dishonest if we do it, if we're using fluff or filler or anything like that. You know, there's companies out there who in 2014 were getting in trouble for putting sawdust in their pre-workout or their protein powder. And these were big companies, big companies that you wow. guys probably saw at the Arnold and big companies that have millions of followers on Instagram. And they're, you know, preaching to all these women and men and they're selling stuff that's just crap and they're making millions off of it. Well, that's, that's how you become a profitable business with, with their, their typical business model, you know, and that's what's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. So as far as testing goes for us, you know, as far as the powder, we test everything, but I'm just going to reference the powder because it's freshest in my mind. Um, when we make any sort of powder based anything, the ingredients are tested on the front end. That way, if there is an issue with an ingredient, you find out first before you go through the entire manufacturing process and realize there was an issue with an ingredient on 10,000 tubs of a finished product. And then you have to redo 
everything. So we test on the front end of all of the raw ingredients. And then we also test once the product is finalized and we test for microbials. We test for heavy metals because there are a ton of heavy metals in products, mainly vegan products, which is why we actually deterred ourselves away from vegan for a little bit. Um, you know, things like arsenic, which is surprising, lead, obviously. Yeah. Um, mercury. And it's just kind of the nature of the game. It's not like we're sitting there with our mercury powder and adding like, Ooh, a sprinkle of this will taste good in there. Or Here's some lead. Do you have that arsenic powder? Like we're not adding it in. It's just the nature of the raw ingredients. And so when we test, we have the testing specifications of what is deemed safe and then we also show on our test, which we have posted many times on our Bomber Nutrition Instagram page, what our product actually tests at as far as these heavy metals go. And if you look back on any of our COAs, Certificate of Analysis, you will see that our testing results are way, 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 way lower than what is actually deemed safe as far as the heavy metals and the microbials go oh my gosh you should i wish other companies would pro, pro, or, uh, share their tests they won't and that's and <laughs> that's be horrible but that's why they don't and that's what really you know for me being pregnant i'm almost eight months pregnant right now and i use almost all of our products every single day and i want to make sure that everything that i'm using is as safe as it can be and i know that's the case for everyone out there and it's one of the reasons that we take our testing so incredibly serious is because so many companies out there either aren't testing or their specifications are way out of whack or their stuff doesn't even pass and they're like well we'll just you know we'll just push that under the rug and we'll sell our sawdust pre-workout or whatever it was. <laughs> well, and the, then, prob the problem with our industry is the placebo effect is so real. Yeah. A lot of people can get away with this kind of stuff and people still get decent results. Or you're so desperate to try anything and people will put dangerous stuff in their bodies without even realizing it. And that's what's so sad. And I don't want you to go out there and say, oh my gosh, if I buy anything else other than Bomer Nutrition, I'm going to die. No, some like people test. Some yeah, people some, test. And there there are some good companies out there. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know a ton of them, honestly, for the thousands and thousands of them that are out there. You know, there's probably, I would definitely say it's at least half, 50% good and 50% bad. Yeah. Do you think it's more bad? I think it's more bad, especially a lot of the smaller companies who may not be able to afford testing or who may not even want to test. But then bigger companies as well. There's a there's a reason they got so big, and it's because their profits are so high because they're using sawdust and sugar. But people could say the same thing about us. I nope, because we, we post our COAs. Well, that's true. <laughs> but another thing we test for in our quality testing, like Josh mentioned, is that the nutritional panel that is on every single product actually matches what is in the product. So we test for microbials, heavy metals, and then nutritional panel accuracy. So we even test for color. We test for, you know, how finite the powder is. And then we test for the calories, carbs, fats, protein, and fiber, if there is fiber on the nutritional panel. So if you guys look on any of our, you know, posts that we have made on our COAs, you will see, and I've the last one that I did a few or a few days ago, I listed out how to actually read the certificate of analysis because what good does it do if you actually can't read it? But our quality testing is definitely something that we take very, very, very seriously. And it takes a lot of time. It takes almost a full business week for each batch. Which is a full week we can't sell a new product to you guys, which is correct. massively costly for yeah. us. 
So it's, it's very important to us. We also test then if we're claiming gluten-free on there, if we're claiming vegan, you know, all of these claims that are made, we then have to test for as well to ensure that, you know, the allergies are correct, the gluten, the vegan stuff, and mainly nuts. So that is, <laughs> was a long-winded answer to the quality testing question, but. As you guys can tell, we're pretty passionate yeah. about being, you know, the best. When it yeah. comes to this stuff and yeah. and we really really pride ourselves on that yeah so another kind of follow-up question to that is have you had to switch manufacturers yeah we yeah. have yep you know we we well we first of all in our if you've listened to how our company got started you know this isn't our first go at at the brands right. and protein so we've had companies I mean, protein powder in the past we, we used to own a company called 100 degrees um, nutrition which it was supposed to be 212, you know, the boiling point of water. And our whole thing was going to be the one degree difference, you know, makes all the difference. And it was a cool, cool slogan and all that. But what ended up happening was the manufacturer was complete garbage. They sent us a bunch of product that that tasted amazing, but quite frankly, wasn't real, you know, mm -hmm. and they said it was and it was just terrible. And so the long winded answer would be we realized this. So before selling it to you guys, you know, we had to just basically that whole company just failed and yeah. we had to start over from scratch all because the manufacturer was crap. Yeah. So then we found a new manufacturer, which worked really well for a long time. And then we just outgrew that, that company, quite frankly. Yeah. That's you happened know. to three manufacturers. So yeah. we've out, we've outgrew, um, the place that used to do our samples. So now the samples are all done in house, which is really nice. And then we outgrew our butter manufacturer. So our, that's the same person making it, but he was using a co-packer and now he has started his own manufacturer simply because of the demand from us. Our butter all because of you butter freaks out yeah, there, which you, we appreciate you. You nut, <laughs> you nut butter heads. So we're, we're with you. We're all, yeah. we're all part of the same family. Yeah. And then our powders have shifted from our old manufacturer to our new manufacturer. So that happened last July. So it's allowed us to make a lot more stuff and have better consistency overall. I, honestly, I have no complaints with our, our old manufacturer. I mean, we they were great. Yeah, you know, they, they were just, good when we needed them, and, and then we knew. And it wasn't their fault. No. You know, we told them, hey, this is what we think we'll do. Oh, sorry, we're doing 15 times more than what we thought we would be. I mean, that's not their fault that no. they were dropping the ball on that. So. No. so, And then they got bottlenecked because we outgrew them too quickly. They couldn't keep up with our, you know, demand, and then we were just out of stock of a lot of stuff. All the time. the time. And it was not fun to answer that question over and over and over again. So, Which we're still out of stock all the time, but we kind of talked about why and how that happens in our other podcast that, that we just launched, I think, two days ago. Yeah. So that kind of ties into why we can't keep the butters in stock. And honestly, it's because you guys buy so many dang butters. We place as big of POs or purchase orders as we can when it comes to the butters. And our manufacturer can only produce so much at a time. And unfortunately, the demand is just greater than the supply right now. If you guys keep it up, there's going to be a nut shortage in the world. Yeah. So good good work, people. So it's, <laughs> it's not a money issue. Someone asked that if it was a money issue. And no, it's absolutely not a money issue. Um, you know, what's, what's great about the butters is they do sell so quickly that we don't even sit on our terms with the payment. But guys, you know what's so amazing about that is you're getting fresh butter. Yeah, think about like that. Fresh, fresh <laughs> peanut butter is the best butter. Any fresh nut butter because then you get less separation and less stirring needs to happen. So as 
peanut butter or uh, settles, settles yeah. you know, it starts to separate. So a lot of you guys are ordering it right away are getting it before it even separates. Yes. And what's crazy is that, you know, as far as a lot of the butters go, we don't even stock them on the shelf. Like we don't even put them into inventory. We don't even put them in our bays because we know as soon as they go up on the website, they're going to sell out. So the pallet literally comes off the truck and then it just sits in the, the fulfillment area without even ever touching stock the inventory because you guys are amazing yeah and we we really really appreciate it so (laughs) we are trying with the butters like we mentioned on the last podcast we're actually getting rid of a few of the flavors to hopefully stabilize our inventory and once that happens then we will reintroduce some flavors and introduce new flavors so because we have so many cool stuff coming down so much cool stuff but we don't want to be out of stock of you know, fan favorites and then launch something new that just really doesn't make sense for us. So we have a lot more fun stuff coming if we can get the butter situation figured out. Um, And then another follow-up question is running out of stock, a good marketing strategy. Honestly, I think it's been good for us Uh, and and we never never did it on purpose. No, like we're never going to be like, Oh my gosh, we're actually in stock. Let's some companies do that. Yeah, they have full stock and they just go out of stock. And, and then like, they oh. get more two days later. That's not how manufacturing works. Right. So they Well, unless, of course, a partial shipment was sent. Correct. Because that's happened to us where they, they, they made like 10,000 units and then they shipped 10,000 but or they shipped 5,000 and then we got the second 5,000 a few days later. So but That's we, very rare that you wouldn't send a whole truckload. So, so we just yeah. have to preface <laughs> it can happen. Can like don't, happen. don't out there start pitchforking us if you see us do it because it's not – but it's not intentional yeah. and or you see a company that you like. So there are some rare situations where that can't happen. But, you know, some people do it as a marketing strategy and, and it's honestly worked out for us, but it was never intentional. Josh got suckered into that when he was on Etsy the other day looking for a Mother's Day gift. He's like, oh my gosh, in my cart or on my thing, it says there's 27 people who have the same thing in my cart. And that's, that's all a lie. It's, it's like not a liar. Because then I, I got out, put a different product in, and it was the same number of people trying yeah. to buy it. I was like, I'm on to you, Etsy. So it is an interesting strategy. However, because we personally see your guys' questions and your questions about restock and we personally answer them, it's not fun for us to just say, like, oh, oh, yeah, we're out of stock, but really we have 5,000 units of something sitting in the warehouse. Like, that's not fun for us. Well, and we know there's a person out there that wanted it and can't have it, and that is horrible feeling for us. Yeah. We want everyone to try this. Every person in the whole world, we want to try our our products, our butters, our flavors, and all this stuff because that's why we created it. We just love sharing it with the world. Yes. So it's an interesting strategy, and it obviously increases the demand, especially if you're talking about how out of stock you are and you announce to the world that you're out of stock, but it's not ever an intentional thing that we do. No. So there's that. Um, so I guess the next, the next questions are all kind of random ones, so they don't really tie into one another. Um, someone asked, how do you avoid bad business partners? Well, honestly, this is, this is pretty, uh, a touchy situation. We've been very blessed to not have bad business partners, you know, honestly, the people we've worked with in the past, they, they've been really great. You know, our old business partner that worked, that we worked with natural science creation, he was great. Um, I, we, we really haven't had bad business partners, but the way to avoid having a bad business partner is to not have any, which is really what, (laughs) which is what we've done with Balmer nutrition, because then 
you know, it's obviously we're husband and wife, so we, but we're obviously also business partners. Um, but there's never someone else to have to answer to. It's not like we have to have the majority rules and it's Josh and Sarah versus, you know, person X when it comes to things, because we typically do agree on things. Um, well, I, I have to give an answer to this because a lot of you guys out there that are trying to start a company or listening to this probably can't do it by yourself. Yeah. So here is a really great litmus test on if you're going to have a great partnership or not, which is I learned this early, so I was able to apply this. If one person brings more to the table than the other person, you're going to have a bad business relationship. It's like a group project in college. Because one person will be doing more of the work, and when that happens animosity will build and then guess what trust starts collapsing people start losing their mind and then you spend more time worrying about if someone's taking advantage of you instead of working together on how to build the company as big and bad as burly as possible yeah i think it's also important to you know if one person brings maybe connections and another person brings ideas everyone should have skin in the game and that means that everyone needs to be financially invested because then people have something to lose oh yeah I, that's massive because yeah. if you're if you're the financial guy and then this person's an idea guy and he's bringing all these ideas and you're just forking it over and then he has someone else come along that offers a better deal then boom you know you're out and if I think, oh, I have an old quote that's great. When a, listen to this, guys, I'm going to try not to butcher this. Okay. When a person with money meets someone, no, with a person, okay, I got this. Okay. All right, we're you guys ready? ready? Yeah, here we okay, go. Okay, I, I screwed it up the first time. Okay. okay. <laughs> when a person of experience meets somebody with, w meets a person of money, the person with the experience gets the money and the person with the money gets experience. <laughs> That totally made sense. I totally butchered it. That's Gosh right. dang it. Sorry. We, we get we get the premise. So Yeah, if, my bad. And, I blew it. And two, you know, we obviously have other businesses outside of Bomber Nutrition. And some of them have business partners. Some of them we are the majority owners of. Some of them we are 50-50 of. And some of them we are the minority. And you always want to ensure you have contracts in place, you know, non-disclosures, everything from the legal side of things, because Josh has gotten screwed a few times in the past. I've been screwed so many times. For not having the legal stuff set in place. And then you have well, no leg to I'm, stand on. I'm an optimist, and I believe that everyone is going to is good. <laughs> Learn from Josh's mistakes. Yeah. The, uh, everyone ever says, everyone, anyone that ever tells you failure is the best teacher is a moron. Don't listen <laughs> to them. Because, Someone else's failure is yes, your teacher. <laughs> that is the, that is the correct answer do not listen failure is the best teacher no it's not someone else's failure is the best teacher yes. learn from my mistakes it's okay to be an optimist it's okay to believe that everybody is good because just, honestly most people are just make sure you have them sign a contract yeah that way something holds love, up in court <laughs> love them enough here's what i always say hey i love you enough to make sure we're both safe here we need a contract in place yes because even if you're going to business with family members anyone brother best friend for life random person from the internet yes get a you can trust those guys yeah you can totally trust yeah, the don't worry about internet. the ran randos but seriously guys here's what you say it'll be awkward but you say hey i love you enough to protect you and to protect myself Let's have a contract put in place. People bring ideas to Bomar Archery all the time, and we will not sit there and listen to them unless we sign an NDA because we don't want to be sued in court if they tell us their idea and then it's a good I'm, one. I'm going to be honest. There's not been anyone do that with Bomar Archery.
country. No one ever sends an NDA over. Right. Yeah. But they bring up ideas and yeah. it's cool stuff. And I'm like, they ask advice and I tell them how to start their own company. Yeah. It's not that hard, guys, to build your own business. But you have to realize it starts small and you can't expect it to be a massive success right out of the gate. You know, it takes a lot of work and effort. Some, some companies don't turn a profit for five years. Most. 95% fail. Yeah. Which I had a lot of those. So I helped participate in, in that 95%. So learn from Josh. Learn from me. <laughs> I've been taken advantage of a lot. Here's another piece of advice. Don't invest into anything that you don't understand. Yes. That is a great way to lose your money, which Sarah and I have also done. And guess how many times it took us to learn <laughs> learn that lesson? Just one. Yeah, it was not good. We yeah. Well, we've done it a couple times. Right. Yeah, but... So, yeah, it took took us a couple tries to learn. Oh, we didn't understand this, but it's a, a amazing opportunity and well, and we oh, lost money. I, yeah, I forgot about. I try to block things out. I feel like I've had a phlebotomy on some of those things. Yeah. Just terrible. Ever, just don't but ever want to remember it. Listen, guys, great advice, you know, uh, things haven't always been hunky-dory for Sarah and I either with with this and so we're coming from a position of credibility that we have lost a lot of money that make and us time. sick. In time, energy, and effort. And don't invest into things you don't understand because it will typically come and bite you in the butt. Yeah. So the next question is how do you turn a profit? Good question. Well, I mean, you need to make more money than you than you invest. Yeah. That's how you make a profit. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's having your products priced properly to obviously replenish your inventory once you sell out of it. And then take into... Take into account costs you may not have thought of, your warehouse, your shipping, you know, any employees that you are paying, if you're taking out insurance. There's a lot of factors growth. that go into... Company growth, too, because the bigger your company gets, the more employees you're going to need in order to help manage and to grow that. And the more product you're going to have to buy. You may not literally turn a profit or pay yourself for five years. Your employees might make more than you for years. If you structure it incorrectly. So yeah. and now you can avoid all that by structuring it correctly. But if you're out there trying to start your own company, you need to educate yourself in the basics of finances because you can't be hiring someone to do all this for you because you're going to need that money yep. to, to grow your company big enough to where you can have employees. So I think, man, it people talk about turning a profit. I just don't worry about that. Worry about getting your first customer. Yeah. That's the greatest. Don't worry about like, oh, how do I make a profit and all this stuff? Just worry about like always, always, always chase value. Don't chase money. If you want to write something down from this whole podcast, it's that sentence right there. Chase value. Don't chase money. Because I'm telling you, the world will pay you. The marketplace will pay you in direct and in direct proportion to what value you give it. The more value you give the marketplace, the more the marketplace will pay you. You don't go to the marketplace and say, how do I make a hundred grand? And you're like, hmm, okay, I'm gonna, how do I make a hundred grand? Okay, if I sell this product like 75% more than blah, 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 and you go through all that, don't. You say, okay, what do I know and what do I have that, that the, mar the, the world would need? Yep. Or want, and and how do I give them that in and the best way possible? Better than what's already available. Yeah, because you look at Bomer Nutrition. We started in 2018. Yep. And you look in 2018. There's literally probably a thousand nutrition companies probably starting every year. Yeah. I mean, my God, especially in the world. 
in the yeah. world, right? I mean, you're talking about a massively um, saturated, saturated and and uh, just overdone industry. And for us to come in and grow to one of the biggest, I would say, honestly, we're up there. You know, it, I don't know what the numbers are, but we're top fifteen. I would say top fifteen in the world. Yeah, as far as sales go. Yeah, we're up there. I mean, out of thousands, thousands of companies, I'd say that's pretty good. Yeah. But and and we may be a little off there, but I I don't think so. Which and we're c- continuing growing. I know Shopify recognized us as one of the fastest growing companies in the world. Yeah, in 2018. In 2018, which was pretty cool, and uh, so that was kind of neat. But anyway, the point is, is not to toot our own horn about t- turning profits. The point is, is Sarah and I never had a goal of becoming rich and wealthy and all that. Of course, it was always like. I had an idea of what I wanted to be in my life, which required wealth to be able to help family, give back to the community, to give back to family like my mom and dad and and be able to provide for everybody. You know, of course, you need to be financially independent for that kind of thing. But the goal has always been value. You know, what can we do to make this world? I know this is so cliche. What can we do to make this world a better place? But it's the truth. And, and that sentence goes through people's head and they raise their eyebrows up like, okay, whatever. But I'm telling you guys, you really need to harness that inside and say, okay, what do I, what skill do I have that I could give the world that, that, that would make it a better place? Yep. And some of you may not have any skills, but the good news is you can learn. Yep. If you really want to, or a skill or a product or a service or a digital good, you know, it doesn't have to be a physical good or, you know, a supplement company that has 10 hundred almost a million different you know product quantities sitting in the warehouse you know you start small and then you build from that because you don't want to sit on inventory and not quote-unquote turn a profit and then not pay yourself and then just give up altogether or file bankruptcy or something yeah no i mean like sarah and i i started with bomar fitness i started just selling my workouts i would write down workouts test them on clients because i was a personal trainer and the good ones made the made the book and the bad ones didn't and i perfected a a program over the course of a few years i got six months of workouts so i started selling that in the online space and selling a coaching package and that's that's where you'll become wealthy is when you can sell a system if you can sell a system, then you're not trading time for money. When you trade time for money, even doctors and stuff, unless you're a doctor with a very skilled profession, it's hard to become wealthy because I feel like real wealth is time and money. And if you if you have money but no time, then what's the point? You know, and so for for that, I, I, I'm getting off topic and stuff, you know, but the, the point is, is you just, you need, if you're looking to become you know, wealthy, just look at value, always add value, but also look for systems that you can sell that can be duplicated to the masses. And I think you're on the right track. Yeah. Our book touches on this too. Um, I know it's mainly a social media book, but it does touch on how to sell and how to make dollars and cents. Um, speaking of dollars and cents, someone asked how much does it cost to launch one product? And I don't know, should we give quantity specifics on what we have to order you know every product's different yeah i was gonna give a range some you know some of our moqs or minimum order quantities are ten thousand units and some are a hundred thousand units it just kind of depends on the product obviously you know the the price does decrease the more things that you order it's just 
kind of the mass production rule. Um, but yeah, it, it varies greatly if you're launching a five pound tub of protein or if you're launching a sample pack of EAAs or a sample pack of fiber. So the the cost varies tremendously when it So let's just say that. we're starting from scratch right now and somebody wanted to start a nutrition company. They wanted to put in their first order of a whey protein. What do you think it would cost them? So someone actually asked how much capital it took to launch Bomer Nutrition. And it's just going to depend on your manufacturer and what their minimum order quantity is. I remember what it cost us. I do as well. Yeah, um, we can share that. I think that's fun. Go for it. No, you go ahead. Because you forgot the number. No, I want to <laughs> say it, but I'm a little worried that it could be off. I'll say it. I'll say it. Okay. 14000 that was our 50% down payment. Oh, it was 28. Yeah. Oh boy. So our... So I was close. Close-ish. Um, so our old manufacturer required 50% upon placement of your purchase order and then 50% um, upon completion of the product. So when we first started, we dipped into our savings and we took a huge risk because we couldn't start selling anything or start making money until the product was done and we had yeah. to have the product paid for in full a hundred percent before we even sold our first tub which was scary so yeah. guys how we made twenty eight thousand to spend was we sold products that were um intellectually created yeah like josh was mentioning earlier the, yeah, like the workouts and the meal plans your recipes yep, you know cookbook. we cookbook you know and we sold and sold and sold and coached and did all this and we didn't a lot of people if they made a hundred grand they would go and buy fancy houses fancy cars sarah and i stayed in an apartment we bought our furniture from it was new uses which is like goodwill we were f sitting on chairs that were horrible and we were making hand over fist cash yeah. you know I, when you're making 15 20 grand a month for, that's pure cash i mean that's incredible yeah. you know when, when you're not i was like holy cow like that was a lot back then for us and we stayed in our apartment and we did all that for what a year mm -hmm. it was a year of doing that and then we eventually were able to get a house but that wasn't before we built our first first round with our company you know yeah. so it's that's the kind of the point is when when we we tell this story not to say oh look at us we made intelligent decisions yeah you know and a lot of that has to be is honestly sarah's <laughs> doing you know but we worked great as a team and we were trying our best and saving money and so if you're not saving that's step number one because you may come up with a great idea that will require capital yeah. and if you don't have any then you're screwed yeah, it's better to be your own bank than, you know, find someone to invest and then they own part of your company or have to go to a bank for a business loan and then you have to pay interest back on it because then that's just more money that you don't get back in your pocket. Even if it's only 5%, you know, yeah. or even 4%. I mean, gosh, if you do 4% over a million dollars, like say you need to get a million dollar loan or something, you're going to be paying like 40 grand a year in interest yeah. at least. And that's on a good, that's the most amazing like 4% return. Yeah. Or 4% so interest. Definitely start saving if you want <laughs> to start a company. Um, obviously now like that. And what's crazy is like at the time that was a lot of money and it is a lot of money now. Um, but now, you know, we just did another PO and it was over a million dollars. And that's right. insane to see that amount of growth. But it, it happened because we didn't, like Josh mentioned, we did not go out and, you know, splurge on X, Y, and Z. We put all our money back into our company. And then our next 
our next purchase order was double that. And then the next one was double that. And then we just kept growing and growing and growing our and inventory. keeping a little for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's how our company grew so fast is because yeah. we, we were financially intelligent. And now, you know, we can buy, I think we own like, um, like 1200 acres or something. Now we have a nice house and we're debt free. I mean, it's just incredible for mm-hmm. us now, yeah. but it's been, you know, three years, yeah. almost three years, I should say, yeah. which that's really fast growth and things like that. But again, you know, it's one of those things. It's not, oh, look at us. I'm just trying to give you guys examples with our own personal life of how we were able to pull off building a company like we have. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with we've made intelligent decisions and didn't spend a lot of money in the wrong places. Right. So Sarah and I learned very quickly that memories are most important. So we would rather take a trip than buy something ridiculous yeah you know um so we would take trips that didn't cost as much and you know no one lays on their deathbed and says oh i wish i could drive my ferrari one last time you know they want to see their family they want to they talk about all the things that mattered if you've ever been to a funeral and it's super sad to bring this up but and you listen you pay attention to what people say about the person it's not it's not what they said what they owned or things like that it's it's about family it's about them as them as a person and what makes them a person and you know share those experiences like a world traveler and stuff like that again i keep getting off topic with this but the point is is you know i i'll just let you take over because i get i get excited about talking about business and and i can get off track yeah so i think the whole point is is like we have worked for this and we work very hard and we continue to work very 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 hard And we're very hands-on business owners. You know, we could have hired people along the way to just take over what we do on a day-to-day basis. And I don't personally think that the business would have had the growth that it did if not for the work that we put in every single day and still do. And some would argue that it would grow more because Maybe. then we would have more mental freedom to to build the business. So it's it's hard to say what's right or what's wrong. So I, I don't want you guys to think that what we're saying is all 100% what every single person should do because I'm sure there's examples of other people. But I can tell you, coming from nothing, like Sarah and I, we didn't have any loans from parents or anything like that to get started. It was straight up put our boots on and go to work, you know, coming from those type of people. So if you're that kind of person like us, like we were, then I would take our advice. I think this will be good. Yeah. So, and someone else asked what a day in the life looks like for us. And as far as, you know, what happens behind the scenes of Bomber Nutrition on a daily basis, you know, we, we do have very good, very solid employees that, we can trust with a lot of things as far as customer service. You know, Josh and I are not answering customer service emails. We are not, you know, doing website updates. We are not working in the warehouse fulfilling orders. We do have a very solid team of people that we have been able to hire along the way and obviously then provide, you know, salaries and very nice lifestyles for a lot of people, which is a huge blessing for we don't, us. We don't have a lot of employees, but the ones we have do the work of many, many employees. Yeah. I mean, they're incredible and we love and respect each and every one of them. Yeah. And so, you know, for us, the, the day-to-day stuff for us is becoming slowly more high level, but because we are very hands-on, we still know issues that happen and we still visit the warehouse and we are visiting our manufacturer and we are, you know, speaking with all of our employees 
almost every single day every as day, far as, sure. you know, any issues that they see, any questions, especially our social media person, you know, hey, I've been seeing this question a lot. We should do a post on this. What do you think? What can you write up for it? Um, and then as far as, you know, if we have ideas, like when the sample kit idea arose, you know, our one of our employees, I don't even know what Mike is. He's just... I don't even know what to call him because he does the work of so many people. Well, and it's so fun with him, you know, with our, we have an employee named Mike and, and the, he's literally been there from the beginning and it's been incredible for us. And, and, uh, we compensate him really, really well for what he does, but I don't even know what he, what to call him. Cause he's just yeah. literally a jack of all trades. Yeah. Like think of the most handy person, you know, and that's, that's like a thousand times like what Mike is, I would say. Yeah. Like Mike would be a thousand times that person. Yeah. So he'll come out and, you know, stay at the house and we'll bounce ideas off. And, you know, when the sample kit thing arose, you know, then we started working on, working on that and how, you know, the logistics of that and how it was going to happen and then how it was going to work with the warehouse. And, you know, as far as like, we're very, like I was saying, we're very hands-on, but at the same time, we do have a very good team of people. So our day-to-day stuff looks very different from, day to day, but it could be writing POs. It could be sending wires for purchase orders. It could be getting marketing ready for a launch day. It could be working on new flavors. It could be working on labels. It could be finalizing labels. It could be, you know, social media stuff, social media stuff. That's daily marketing strategies. Yeah. Um, Speaking with our manufacturer on pricing and, you know, there's just so many different things that go into running a business and no day ever looks the exact same. And some of the stuff is just honestly quite boring, which is why we don't film a lot of it um, and share a lot of it. But we do have a very good team behind us as well as being. That we, we wouldn't be able to do without us. So no. I don't want this to come across like it's the Josh and Sarah show no. because we we have a great team that, that we cherish yeah. that help us. Like Josh like, and I are not making labels. We have the final say on the labels and we have and the all idea. All the idea, the structure of how they're, they're set up. We're and not an illustrator making <laughs> labels or anything. Right. So very high level, but it does take a small army to get it all right. And someone also asked, um, what does it look like in the warehouse once we, the customer, places an order? And I think that's a fun question and one that we, you know, we kind of show some behind the scenes of the warehouse, but in the warehouse, you know, you guys place an order on the website. It goes directly to the warehouse to be fulfilled. It obviously varies based on what kind of shipping you pay for or shipping that you select. There's things that happen behind the scenes that I don't understand how they happen because it's very technologically based. But, you know, everything is filtered in priority, especially if you bought express shipping or something like that. Your order is then printed on a piece of paper. That's the packing slip. And then there's a a huge stack of orders that go out every single day. They are fulfilled in order of priority. And we have a bunch of different quality checks throughout the system of fulfilling. So our orders are fulfilled by humans. We, we aren't Amazon. We're not fulfilling with robots. We are fulfilling with human beings. And they have your packing slip. They have the correct box dimension in front of them based on what is in your order, which again is an amazing testimonial to Mike and the work that he does on our website because he literally offers you guys upsells based on what would make the most sense in a package. So if you have... That way it won't cost you guys more on shipping. Right. So, you know, the website isn't going to 
try to upsell you on something that would then push your order into a larger box because then it would cost more for shipping. So that stuff happens behind the scenes. I don't understand how it happens, but I just know that it does. Um, so the person at the warehouse has your packing slip in hand. They have the appropriate box size. They then go down the line and every single thing that you order is scanned and put into your box. Once the box is filled, someone else checks it, signs off on it, and then it is also weighed. So it knows, the scale knows, okay, you bought one five-pound tub of blueberry cheesecake, you bought one applesauce fiber, you bought one collagen, and you bought three sample packs of EAA uh, pomegranate acai. And oh, this, you almost <laughs> said a, a flavor that wasn't available, didn't you? I did. Um, and the scale knows how much the box is supposed to weigh, and the scale then knows how much the product is supposed to weigh. Once the scale says, yes, you've done it, congratulations, the packing slip is put in the box, and the box is taped up, and then it sits on a pallet for FedEx or UPS or USPS or DHL to come pick up every single day, and all the pallets go out at about 3 o'clock. And that's kind of how it happens from start to finish. It's a lot. It's a lot of things and a lot of different areas in that there is human error. We'll never say that we are perfect when it comes to fulfillment. Um, but our warehouse does a great job. Their order errors are actually less than what Amazon is, which is pretty cool. So that's a little fun tidbit of the warehouse. Did, did I miss anything? I don't think so. Okay. So someone else asked how long it takes a flavor to get right. We talked about this on the last podcast. Um, another question is, how do you decide how many flavors per product? That That's that's a tough one. We don't you know. have like a whiteboard that says we cannot have more than 10 EAA flavors. Um, you know, if one, if we have an idea and we take it to the manufacturer and they can crush it, then we'll launch it. Um you know, at the end of the year, we kind of assess which products, if we need to retire any flavors, if we need to retire any at all. People love variety, so why not give them options? Because like we mentioned, it helps make dieting easier when you have different stuff to drink and enjoy and bake with. Agreed. So I think the last question is what happens if we retire? Well, or sell our company. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Well, yeah. first of all, that was... That was pretty much taken out the window whenever we yeah. named it Bomar Nutrition. Yeah. You know, it's kind of hard to, to sell our company if it's if it's not Bomar. So if we ever were to sell our company, it would have to be, you know, pretty substantial and we would still be a part of it. Yeah. I mean, I can't see ever, you know, it's been our baby. It's been our child for hand the keys over. Yeah. Oh, my God, that feels so weird. Yeah, it but, would be very, very weird. So if we retired and we're just sitting over here, it's like. We would want to be doing the same stuff. Like, yeah. I, we love this. Like, this is what we enjoy doing. Like, this is amazing for us to create products and give to you guys and you enjoy it. I mean, if you've ever cooked for a family and, and that, that family member or whatever says, oh, my gosh, this is the best mac and cheese, you feel great. Yeah. And that's literally how we feel every single time one of you guys leaves a review or comments on an Instagram post and says, you guys make the best X, Y, and Z oh my gosh, that applesauce fiber was incredible. And it just, that makes us feel great. Like, I don't think we would be as happy if we didn't have those kind of day-to-day -day interactions with you guys. Right. But luckily, you know, if we do have a good team in place and if we 
you know, needed to take a break when baby comes or something like that. You know, we would still be somewhat hands-on, but it's not like the company would shut down and stall. Things would still be happening. Things would still be going out. Nothing new would be happening, but we would still, you know, be operating as business as usual, which is really good. We just wouldn't have new stuff coming and probably not for a while. But yeah, like Josh mentioned, we have no desire to stop what we are doing. I think we would get very, very bored. To say the least. <laughs> yeah. Well, it would it would be cool. It would be it would yeah. be cool for like a day. Yeah. Probably a week. I, I think we would enjoy it for a week and yeah. then we'd be like, all right, we got to start another company. Yeah. I mean, even when we were in, someone asked me the other day what like our most memorable memory was with Bomber Nutrition. And we were in Alaska above the Arctic Circle. We had no service at all. We were running off of satellite phones, but we were still working because we literally like have ideas and we're like, okay, how are we going to launch protein birthday cake as soon as we get back to service? And that's what we did. We launched protein birthday cake from a little seaside hotel in, you know, Cotsbue, Alaska. Cotsbue. Yep. And it barely had internet. And we were the last, you know, we went up there with five or three other people and we were the last two to fly out. And we were just sitting there for like 16 hours launching protein birthday cake from... (laughs) little hotel in Cosby, Alaska. You guys, if you, if you want to fun, just to visualize this, Google that. Say it for him one more time. Cotsby, K-O-T. You'll figure it out after that. See something. Google where that is in the world. You're going to be like, wow, they were by Russia. Yeah, pretty (laughs) much. (laughs) There's like a little patch of water that separated us from Russia. You guys just go look it up. It's pretty wild. Yeah, but the point was, you know, we were working... From our satellite phones, we just could not turn off because we just were so excited about these products and we're so excited to bring them to you guys that I don't think we could ever stop. I mean, if we were to ever sell, we, I, I, and again, I don't even see that being in the cards, but if it was, then we would still have to be a part of it yeah. because it would just be weird to yeah. give someone our name and everything else. <laughs> like, here you go. <laughs> yeah, here you go. Don't screw it up. Don't ruin our name forever. Thank you. Yeah, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> and honestly, that was that was a decision we made back when we started the company because we were actually going to name it something different. Yeah. And then we were like, you know what? Let's just go with Bomber Nutrition, which pretty much ruined the sellability of the company. But yeah. that's okay. Yeah. So that was all the questions that we had we took the ones that we saw most often i know there were a lot of other ones so i do apologize if we did not answer your questions specifically if this does well as far as podcast and feedback we may you know do another one behind the scenes answering new questions down the road but we just want to thank you guys for tuning in we want to thank you for supporting bomber nutrition and we will see you over in episode 21